Domingo! I'm back, baby! Oh, my double crap! Do you know who I am? Oh, but maybe if you hum a few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met. You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee. I am the low rating that cancels your program. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's time to check. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong. Hooray! People are paying attention to me. It's all in sports. Game on, everybody. It's all in sports. Jake Seeley, as always, at Only Kid, but you know that. I don't have Chris Meany today. No Canadian, but I do have a great second what chair, I guess I would say, co-host for the day. It's somebody that I've known for a long time, and I still remember the day at the old company when he walked in and was like, oh my God, it's Jake Seeley. I get to work with him. No, he never thought that. <laughs> he is Michael Florio. Follow him on Twitter. It's not that Mike Florio. It's the better Mike Florio out there with the NFL Network. He's always, you know what? I'll let you promote all of it because I want you to promote your Patreon so people can follow you over there as well. Thank you, Jakey. And the reason why that never happened was because you worked at a different spot than I did. So I would walk <laughs> in and see you on like a screen Never you actually in person. But uh, every time you walked by the screen, did you hear like the angels behind you going, Oh that- <laughs> you were on that screen a lot, Jake. That that uh that luster would have wore off very quickly. <laughs> I think the luster of me wears off very quickly in general. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, my- promote yourself, promote your stuff. I want everybody my- to know about your stuff. My work right now for baseball could be found. Uh, I have a Patreon page. Uh, if you want, you could just go to my Twitter at Michael F. Florio. Uh, it's my pinned tweet. Uh, I do a lot of work there, breaking down like starting pitchers every day, if they've incorporated any new pitches or, or velocity change, anything like that, bullpen notes, and just random thoughts I have, plus a podcast every week. Uh, I also write two articles a week for fan tracks and then for you know you fantasy football fans i do fantasy football work over at fan tracks and in season i'll be doing some stuff with uh, nfl.com so lots of places you could check out my work if for some reason you want to is some reason you want to (laughs) people should want to they should definitely want to this is a you know what and one of the can I still call you a bright young mind can i still say that does that make that that's not that disparaging is it right that's a compliment i'll take it because my fiance is constantly uh, letting me know that I'm getting close to 30. So being called young is, uh, for the first time in okay, my life, yeah. I kind of enjoy it. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't <laughs> want to get to the, the 30. Once you hit that three, it's not fun. I'll let you know that. That's for sure. But, hey, you know what? And another thing is, help this kid. There you go. I'm going to call you kid now. It's like <laughs> out there, one car having to drive your fiance to work. Like, hey, this is, we need, to, we need to get you a second car. How about that to your Patreon? Can we do that? Can we get you that little? <laughs> I mean, if you get if you get my Patreon to the level where I could buy a second car, I would I would be indebted to you for a very long time. Yeah, that would never happen for me though. <laughs> I mean, we need to get some bigger names to promote you out there. But let's talk about some fantasy baseball. This is going to be a lot of fantasy baseball today. So if anybody's going to be like, look, we'll throw in a little football to the end. Maybe you fast forward. I don't know. 
too bad. This is fan- it's fantasy baseball season. <laughs> Football's year-round. We do talk about year-round, but there's a lot. And let's just start with Chris Sale, who seems to be the top. This is kind of feeling like Antonio Brown, Mike. is like, you know, it's like Antonio Brown was on the topic day in and day out and day in and day out. And then he gets traded, and we're still talking about it. We're still talking about him this past week because he's going after Juju Smith-Schuster on social media. So it's like he never stops. But it's like Chris Sale for a different reason is because, oh, my God. How scared are you if you're a Chris Sale owner right now? You and I were on a Twitter thread today with, you know, we were talking with Chris Towers and Eno and different people. And it's just the fact that something's wrong. We're all guessing. There's all like assumptions being made. The podcast yesterday with Brad Ziegler that I did with Chris Meany over at The Athletic. By the way, go check that out on Sports Unsealed, which I still feel weird that it's my name. But anyway, uh, we talked about <laughs> no, Brad Ziegler. No, <laughs> like, hey, sidebar <laughs> right as we start the show is I when they said that was a good name because it's like us unsealed us you know we're not going to hold back we say it how it is like yeah and I get the spelling and the play on my name but it's kind of like it's not my show I'm still doing it with Chris and Brad so it's kind of like you see what I'm saying like I honestly did feel kind of weird about it I'm not gonna lie (laughs) it's uh, like I listened to uh when I was back in New York I would listen to the Michael K show Michael K is the there's other people who host that show every day but it's just strictly named after him. I, I view you in that same elk. <laughs> okay. So you, you're calling me like the Michael K of fantasy. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, that could work. <laughs> okay. So in any case, Chris Sale, as we're talking about, Brad said this on the pod yesterday, and I, I know you saw this, but in case people didn't see the tweets, is we're talking about the fact that Chris Sale puts in the postseason, and anytime you have postseason innings on arms, is there's a concern for a hangover. You've looked into it. Eno's looked into it. There's stats, depending on which way you go, saying, hey, it could you know, decrease velocity. Hey, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't hold any more variance. And we're not talking from the stats standpoint. Brad was just specifically saying that there was something off with Sale last year. He missed time. He was trying to get back. He got back. Maybe he pushed himself a little too hard, had a shorter offseason stint than everybody else because of it. And all that culminated together means that he could be going down the Paul Goldschmidt down a year from a few years ago where he's not himself until June or July Hearing that and where you were on Chris Sale all together, like how worried are you now? Yeah, I'm. I'm still where I'm at, where I was before yesterday. I'm worried, but I'm not like panicking. If that makes any sense, I know he didn't have a good outing by any stretch yesterday, but we did see him start to dial it up, hit 95 or just under 95. 94.47 was where he topped out. And to me, what I thought was a good sign was he didn't really have. Like a, I, I would have been a lot more nervous if he came out and hit 95 in the first inning and then was back down at 88, you know, in the second. He and according to Baseball Savant, three of the five hardest pitches he threw yesterday came in that last fourth inning. And again, the results aren't what we want them to be, but we've seen a velocity jump already this season with Rick Porcello, with David Price, and while Nate Eovaldi is, you know, still throwing very hard. He's not maxing out at where he was consistently maxing out last year. So part of me is still wondering if this is like the Red Sox plan by design. Because let's remember, they didn't have their pitchers ramp it up till late in the spring. I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, all right, you know what? We're not going to get you guys fully throwing your hardest until like a week or two into the season as part of their plan. But again... I don't know if that's necessarily the case. So I am worried about Chris Sale. I don't think we, we know the answers yet by, on either side. And I'm not going to ever debate Eno's work because Eno is a genius and 
he said there's really no uh, postseason, no World Series hangover. But what I did last year for BFFs was I, I just re- looked at like the last like four or five World Series and what the pitchers in the World Series did the year before and the year after. And the year after was always like there was substantial decline across the board. And, and a lot of the times where the decline came was in innings pitched. And I'm a guy who doesn't chase innings. I, I think you go for quality over quantity. I know, I know you feel the same way, Jake. But to me, when you're seeing everyone pitch, like cons- almost everyone consistently go give you less innings than the year before, I do worry, wonder like what that hangover effect is on them. And it's something I always go back to. Jacob deGrom said in 2016, he said, it's not the extra innings that matter. It's the fact that instead of having you know four or five months to recover, now you have three or four and you have to start throwing a lot sooner than you normally can. And, and to me that I, if a pitcher is saying that, Hey, this is why I'm not having as good of a year as I had last year. I don't think we could, we should completely discredit that. No. And I think that's exactly, I'm with you with that, especially after hearing from Brad yesterday saying, you know, it's that time off and that, you know, especially when sale was trying to work himself through his situation last year that just adds to it like so i'll get like as another comparison real quick is i had brad on this podcast the on sports podcast not the sports unsealed obviously because that just started yesterday uh, but when he was on this one and i was talking about clayton kershaw and luis severino and these people that were starting the season uh he said his concern with both and more so kershaw but it looks like kershaw we're it's his concern is i was gonna say not valid it's just it's it eased now like it's just it's not a big deal anymore because it looks like Kershaw is doing the right thing the point was Brad was saying was like these guys sometimes their competitiveness makes them try to get back sooner than they should they want to get out there they want to pitch they want to help their team and by coming back too quickly that you actually compound the issue and it ends up being like even if you're pitching you're not yourself for the long term and I think that this is actually really good to look at Kershaw and Severino and say you know what Severino did it the wrong way, obviously, because now he has the lat strain and he's going to be out for even longer, where Kershaw is about to make his debut and his return this year because he took it slow when he had any little tweak at the spring. You remember this, Mike, is that they shut him down. They said, oh, hold on, we, let's not pitch this week. Severino is now out till probably July. Yeah, and and again, going like I know where I'm a Met fan, so like that World Series kind of sticks in my brain. But wait, wait, are you still a, were you still a Met fan, or did you are you like me, where it's like I'm not gonna be upset if they lose because I just don't care anymore because I'm so frustrated. Are they are you, are you still like loyal? Like you still get upset if they lose? Yeah, like yesterday, were you kind of upset that they got destroyed and Jacob Degrom had his first so, quality start in forever? It, yesterday, I wasn't upset at all. Like it, to me. Like it, it would be foolish to be upset at Jacob Degrom for having a bad outing when he's been the best pitcher in baseball for so a year. So you want to hear a crazy stat about him? By the way, I don't know if you knew this one. You might because you're a stat guy and you're definitely like that's what I love about it. Is did you see the stat where fifty percent of his starts have been one earned run or less? I did not, but that like is that like the most insane stat you've ever? Fifty percent of a person starts. He's not a closer. He's not a reliever. He's not some long. Start, he's a starting damn pitcher. 50% of him, one earned run or less. Yeah, that's just absolutely insane. And like, how silly would it be then to be mad at him for having a bad outing in a game yesterday that was delayed due to bad weather? So, well, he like, could, I mean, he could have set the record. So, jerk. I, <laughs> I get, first of all, though, there is one, not to go on a DeGrom tangent, but there is one start in that mix 
where he literally went one inning, hit through 45 pitches, and then got pulled, and the streak just continues because he didn't give up four more runs. But well, that's not I a quality start then. So that's just – yeah, that's a good point because that's not a quality start. You have to have six innings to be a quality start. That might have been – it might have been after that where the quality start streak began, but I know the – the, oh, he hasn't allowed four runs since this date. Like it was like, well, one of his starts, he got he got rocked, but they just pulled him because it was a forty-five pitch first inning. Uh, but like you go back to that World Series and like like Degrom the next year was nowhere close to where he was. Matt Harvey was never the same again. Uh, Wheeler, uh, well, Wheeler was. Oh, the, well, the the Mets said, "Hey, Matt Harvey, you're coming back from injury. Who the hell cares? You're throwing two thousand <laughs> innings. Good luck." And that's why I have, I always love Matt Harvey because the smart thing would have been to pull a Strasburg. I tweet about him yesterday. I feel bad for him. Like I don't, like, Jakey. The, like I get it. There's a lot he, to dislike about Matt Harvey. Yeah, like he's a dick. But <laughs> but if you're in 2015, when I know you still cared about the Mets, and his agent hold on, hold on. The 25th. Yeah, okay, yeah. We still did. All right, fair enough. Continue. <laughs> his agent wanted to shut him down and pull a Strasburg, and, and he said, I cannot let my team compete for a championship without me. And he really ruined his career hoping to bring the Mets a title that year. So That's fair. I, I'll always have a soft spot for Matt Harvey because of that. But like, well, you're also like, upset that he lost his girlfriend to Julian Edelman, too. <laughs> Not so much that. Uh, but Julian Edelman is a... Uh, can I say douche on this podcast? Uh, you can. I don't. But I also uh, you, the views and opinions <laughs> by Michael Florio are not endorsed by Jake Seeley. Go ahead. Uh, I, I think Julian Edelman is kind of kind of a douche. But wait, wait do you have like an inside story? Like, how do you know? Like, I no, don't, he just. It's, like, it's just I, this is strictly just me like as a fan. Like, just the way he like and the whole this off season. I mean, this playoffs of him like selling shirts that they were underdogs and stuff like. You're the Patriots. You are never an underdog. Well, that's, yeah, ever. that was the Patriots as a whole. Like, come on. You can't play the underdog card. <laughs> like, yeah, it'd be like Michael Jordan coming out today and be like, like in the 90s being like, oh, they won more games than us in the regular season. I was going to say, the, the, the first season he came back from baseball and then be like, yeah, we're the, we're the underdogs. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, <laughs> I can see, you're right. I can see that. It'd be like the Warriors, this year, like last year, let's say, being like, well, the Rockets are better than us. They're, they won more games. Like, no, you can't pull that card. You're a dynasty. Like, so, yeah. But, but again, like the Cubs, going back to this whole thing with pitchers, like the Cubs pitchers are worse the next year. The Indians guys were worse and missed time. So oh, I remember those Cubs. I actually owned, uh, was it Lester and Hendricks that year? No, Lester and – who are the two top pitchers that year for them? Is Lester and – who else? Hendricks, I know, and uh, he and Arietta. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, it was Ariad and Lester, and I was on the down. I was not happy about that following year because <laughs> I took them. It was in a snake draft, and just as a strategy, which I think this – I get your opinion on this. I still think this is a, a general good strategy overall. When you're in a rotisserie league, uh, obviously head-to-head is going to be a little bit different, but it can help you in head-to-head too, especially because you're o- almost always going to get a second start. But as, to break the tie – I went with the two Cubs pitchers because it's like, you know what? They're always going to be pitching back-to-back. I'm always going to get at least one, possibly two starts from them any given week in rotisserie. They're on a team that should win a lot of games, and that's what I was going for, and that's why I broke the tie, and then it was completely the opposite. They both sucked that year. Yeah, so now uh, that was the year that really opened my eyes to it after it happened to the Mets the year before, and I, that's when I looked into it. And I was, like Again, I didn't compare it to projections. Like I'm not going to question Eno's work at all, but – this is going back to that Twitter thread that you were talking about, but 
when I just looked at the raw numbers for BFFs last year and I saw that across the board there's a steady decline, it leads me not to avoid these pitchers, but to use that as a tiebreaker then. Like last year, I didn't draft Severino because I was taking those SP1s in the same range over him just because I was like, if there's any pitcher that I worry, you know, and I was wrong for half the year, but like of, of breaking down or suffering from fatigue or, or maybe getting off to a slow start even, it's the guys who go deep into the playoffs. So like last year, like I, I know this year my strategy, I kind of give it a pass because I take the Dodgers guys. But I to me, those guys are the only ones who are a little well, The Dodgers, <laughs> even with the postseason, still only pitched like 90 innings. Exactly why it's different because I'm drafting those guys, getting that discount already, and expecting them to go. Like, like I have on one team, I have Rich Hill, I have Ryu, and I have Maeda. I expect to get 120 innings out of each of them, but I think I'm going to get a very high quality 120 innings. That was kind of my strategy this year. Well, it, it actually 100% was my strategy, but... I've always worried about pitchers who pitch deep into the playoffs since that really since that DeGrom comment and looking at it and seeing that, hey, maybe there is something more to this because, again, like I know we could look at it at, and, and I do this. This is what we all do. We, we kind of view these players as numbers and not as like humans, humans. but they are human. And if they're saying like, hey, well, apparently not Edelman to you, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> He's a human. He's just a douche. But. <laughs> but I, I just, to me, when I hear that, and it, it maybe it's something that we can't quantify. And I don't really like to use like narratives or anything that we can't quantify because, again, I think we need to use what we have at our access, and that's the the statistics and such. But I, I didn't downgrade Chris Sale at all. I had him third in my my rankings, but yeah, I had him up there too. Yeah, if it would have came down to like, oh, hey, Sal or this or DeGrom or Sal or Scherzer or Sal or like maybe even Garrett Cole, like as a tiebreaker, potentially I'm factoring in the fact that Chris Sale had a shortened offseason and that the Red Sox weren't, you know, having him pitch in early spring. So I'm not saying we we can't see Chris Sale get back to what Chris Sale was. Uh, it is very concerning right now. I think if you own him, you have to be scared. And in one of my leagues already, the owner who has Chris Sale is trying to shop him. I think that's kind of a mistake. Like, I get it. You could well, trade so, him. All right, hold on. Let's look at it this way. Let's say, like, before you even jump into that, let's look at it as a whole. So um, I wasn't going to talk about this, but you and I play in a lot of leagues with other people we work with. Uh, I, as you could tell, that was my way of dancing around the word expert because I hate that. But I do too. Yeah, so because I think at this point, I think we've done enough damage control, quote unquote, to say that we can start using the word again and understand like the fact is like we're not trying to say we're better or we know more. It's just it's the way of saying we play with other people who do what we do. We work at the industry. We're playing with other people in the industry. I think that's why it's called experts. But well, and I would hope that you would you would want to be called an expert in your industry. So in other case, all that <laughs> now that we went down that road. Uh, so all that is, I was talking about this past, I don't know if you saw, I tweeted it, I finally got a labor trade done. And I got a labor trade done, for people that don't know labor, is the League of Alternative Baseball Reality. It's one of the longest quote-unquote expert leagues that's ever been around. And I said it's, it's exceptionally hard to trade in, in expert leagues. And I say expert even with the people at home, that are in advanced leagues that have been around for a long time. Everybody you're playing with is very knowledgeable. It's very hard to trade because a perfect example is I was going back and forth and I was saying, you know, I just lost Jake Lamb. 
He was my only corner infielder. That's where I was lacking depth out of the draft. It's a 15-team league, so you're going to have lack of depth somewhere. So I lost Lamb. The waiver wire had, um, I'm trying to remember, it was, oh, Hanley Ramirez, some, G-Man Choi, and who's the um, the one that's taken over in Arizona? Why am I brain farting here? Christian you, Walker? Thank you, Christian Walker. So I put bids in all three of them. I was like, all right, I'll get one of them. Uh, like, I don't, I, there wasn't a huge separation. I wanted Walker more than the other two, but there wasn't a huge gap. I didn't get any of them, surprisingly. So now I'm going into the week without a possible corner infielder. And I was like, I can't let that happen. So I'm trying to find trades and I'm going back and forth with the one person. He's like, I don't want to sell low and jerks and pro far. I understand that. That's fine. But then he's like, well, what about this person? Like, and it's just such a head banging experience to try and make a trade. You understand where I'm coming from, Mike. You've been through it. So it came down to the point I ended up overpaying for Yande Diaz. Hopefully not. Maybe Yande Diaz explodes this year and surprises everybody like Muncie did last season. But I say all that with the point of, are we at the point where maybe you said, it's like, I don't know if it's a good idea to trade sale. Well, what if you're trading sale low now, but it's not the lowest? Like, what if in two weeks he has another two bad starts and all of a sudden, well, you actually sold high on how bad it could have been? On the flip side, Yandy Diaz, what if buying high, quote unquote, isn't necessarily a bad thing anymore because even if he had, you know, maybe he has his breakout season. So like, that's the question I wanted to propose to you where before you go down this Chris Sale route is like, is maybe that the way you have to start attacking trades to get them done? I think so, actually. And I think the whole like, oh, buy low, sell high thing dumbs it down entirely too much. Everyone knows about trying to buy low and trying to sell high. So like you just, you can't really, it's not nearly as easy as it often gets made out to be. Um, right. But I do agree with you. There is a risk that if you do not trade Chris Sale right now, he could end up on the IL. He could just completely bottom out and, and you could be selling him high right now. But my the way I'm looking at it, so like in the league I'm in, it's a head-to-head points league, but the owner is shopping Chris Sale. And my top two starting pitchers are Blake Snell and Noah Syndergaard. I'm not trading either one of them for Chris Sale right now. So then I look at my next starting pitchers it's guys like Tanaka, Musgrove. Uh, I have like Rich Hill, who's who's injured. Sonny Gray, you know <laughs> Jose Quintana, Trevor. Rich, Rich Hill is injured. Wow. <laughs> but, but none of those guys are good. like even Tanaka, who is my SP three right now. I don't think the sale owner is going to accept Tanaka for sale. So, and I'm not willing to trade Syndergaard for him or Snell. So I don't right. think right now I'm able to get a trade. Don't like I've looked into it. But I know that anyone who drafted Chris Sale in the, the first or second round, what is their needs going to be right now? It's going to be starting pitching. And they're going to look to trade Chris Sale for a proven, I think, for probably for a proven SP, like high-end SP2, let's say. All right, and well, I'm how not, about I'm that? I'm not sure if I'm willing to do that. I don't even need to tell you why this, you're going to like this because I know your background and I know you will. But so there's something we do on this show, Mike, where, you know, if we're trying to figure out whose value is better than whose, and there's a couple players involved and there's the whole, like, do you know what we do? Do you know what we do when we're trying think, to figure I out? I think I have an idea. We make a list. <laughs> See, I knew you'd love it. Uh, let's figure it out. Let's Chris sale. All right. I have Chris sale. I updated my rest of season rankings initially on Tuesday before the start. And I update as like, you know what? I am going to update Chris sale after the start. I bumped him down to SP nine. Let me see if you agree. The eight in front of him, obviously, DeGrom, Scherzer, Verlander, Garrett Cole, Blake Snell. That's not even the question. Those five are no problem. All right. Trevor Bauer, Kluber, and Paxton, you taking all three over Sale, or are you going to make a case for Sale over any of those? 
Yeah, Trevor Bauer, I think, first of all, is going to finish as like a... I had him ranked as my SP5 coming into the year, and I think really? I'm going to be... All right, old. we're going to get to him. We'll put a pin um, We're coming back. Yeah. We're coming back. Uh, Bauer. Paxton, Paxton and Kluber, I would I would keep Kluber over Sale right now. Paxton is is the interesting one. Like I think if I'm if I have a pa- if I have Paxton, I I don't know if I'm flipping him for Sale, but that's where I'm starting to consider it. Carlos Carrasco, I'll take Carrasco over him. Okay, so that interesting. So uh, let's keep going down the list here. Then Syndergaard, you just said no, but like straight up, you're like. What if you're so if you're the Chris Sale owner, would you take Syndergaard to get rid of Chris Sale? I would say that that's Syndergaard gonna get 180 innings. I see, I think I, I totally get the concern, but I I mean, it was a lat two years ago and it was a finger last year. Like, he's no- just predictable to me. And I know he was working on his four seamer and getting it high in the zone in the offseason. Actually, pitcher list, everybody should be following that account. Great for pitchers, obviously. Very insightful, uh, in case anybody doesn't know. Um, Nick Pollock is, uh, Pollock is the one behind it. So, But in any case, he added that. The Syndergaard is going to focus on that. But I still I mean, uh, look, I still have Mets games on when they're on just because they're really good. To, baseball games are good to have on in the background when you're working just because it's easy to have on and not miss too much, but also get enough information. But he still looks predictable. I still don't think Syndergaard, like, I feel like Syndergaard should be better than he is. I tweeted this on his first outing. It was like the third inning of his first outing of the year. I was like, I, I understand it's one game and it's one start, but this is exactly how I felt watching Syndergaard last year. Like, you should be dominating and you're not. Yeah. So I agree with you in that sense, but. I'm still like like last year was a down year for him, and he still had a ERA at three. He was still giving you a strikeout per inning. Like, I I just right I know it's kind of crazy to say. I think Syndergaard though, he's just a little bit safer right now. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Um, how about Clayton Kershaw about the return or Chris Sale? I'll take Chris Sale. Okay, Aaron Nola. I'll take Nola. Really, even with the start. Yeah, I mean he he pitched better yesterday. Uh, it was it was one bad outing out of the three so far that really makes his numbers look a little bit worse. I think I do agree that Aaron Nola, I think in dra- like in drafts was one getting bad. overrated. I mean, but, I mean, come on, yesterday was kind of. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't elite, <laughs> it was, but still five runs. I mean, only four were earned, but it's he only struck out three. Like, okay, you're about to say it. like I just felt he was so overrated in the drafts. Yeah, I think so too. I don't. I like people were taking him in the like as a top seven, eight pitcher. I didn't have him. You know as how that. many times he's had a double digit strikeout per nine, right? Even including I, the minors. Uh, I actually have his FanGraph page up, so I do know. <laughs> the answer is zero. Everybody, I just want to throw that out there. The only league I have Nola in is a it's a keeper league of mine, and I drafted him two years ago for really cheap in an auction. So this year he only cost me like twenty two bucks, and in my my home league starting pitchers like he would have went for well over forty. So I I kept him. That's the only league I have Nola in. I I didn't draft him anywhere else. I I agree with you. I think he gets overrated, but I also think he's he's just right now just safer than. Than Chris Sale. Okay, that's fair. I'm not going to argue too much with that. All right, so all right, I think that's. I mean, Strasburg, Walker, Bueller, Patrick Corbin. Any of those do it for you over Sale? The only one I would consider is Bueller, and he's another guy that I thought was getting pushed up a little bit too much on draft boards. So 
Probably not, but yeah, Chris Sale to me is in that right now, that low end SP1 range. Yeah, so that's basically, I was going to say where we put him is kind of around the 12, 13. I still have him at nine just because he's Chris Sale. And, you know, if he straightens it out next start, forget about it. That's why to go back to the whole trade conversation is, is you know, yeah, it's potentially it could get worse. And it's got, it depends on what your team is. On the flip side, as you said, it could go the other way. I mean, all of a sudden, if he bounces back next start, he goes seven innings, strikes out 10. People are going to be like, well, you sold too low. And, you know, you should have waited. So it just kind of depends on you know, what your team makeup is going to be. Speaking of the trading and selling high and buying low, two guys would you be selling high on right now who are going ballistic, both first basemen, actually both of them with outfield eligibility too. Well, they're first base slash outfielders, which is great if you're in like Bellinger and Hoskins. Now, I love this, Mike, and this is going to definitely be like, oh, look at me, I called this, blah, blah, blah. And it's not. I, like, I didn't expect either one of them to start off this hot. I just loved and own a ton of both because last year's seasons were good. They were seen as perceptually disappointing because people expected so much. And those are the values I love. And I know you love the same thing. It's like people expect the both of them to go 40 plus home runs. They're like, so when they have a good, not great season, we're like, oh, they're, they're, you know, that's just disappointing. I love both of them. Again, where are you on this? Are you going to hold on to both and just ride it out? Because obviously, Cody Bellinger is not going to hit 430 for the rest of the season. <laughs> So you have to, like, this is the other part I always throw out, I know I throw a ton into this question, but I know you can handle it, is, <laughs> you know, if we get to the end of April, we're not there yet, but if we got to the end of April and he's hitting 400, and then you say, well, Cody Bellinger for the end of the year hit 310, and be like, man, that's pretty impressive. He hit 310. However, you know that for those last five months, it means he probably hits 270, 280 because of math because of like what it's going to take to pull that average down. So that's where I want to always throw that in for people out there thinking. It was like, even if he ends up with terrific numbers, there is a case that he's never going to be this good for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt that he cannot keep this pace up. But I agree with you. I, I Right now, for the first part of that question, I would be writing it out. I had them, at, I believe, as my first baseman four and five in my rankings heading into the season for a lot well, of the same reasons that... Them. That, that you said, like, they didn't have years like they expected, but they still, like, because like, the expectations, that's really all it was. We put too lofty of expectations on these players. And last year, like, Reese Hoskins was a player I was avoiding. <laughs> I have a four and five, too. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, and, and I, I think it's very fair. Like I, like I said, I had him there as well. And Hoskins was a player last year I avoided because he had a lot of, like, helium. He was floating up draft boards. And I kept saying, like, I'll wait eight rounds later and get Matt Olson, who I viewed as Reese Hoskins with the worst batting average. And Hoskins ended up having a stronger year. I'm not going to deny that at all. And I thought the, just people viewed him as a disappointment because of what they expected and not because of his production. So I agree with your point 100%. As for selling high right now, uh, I wouldn't actively be shopping them. But if someone tried to, to buy high on them, yeah, no players untouchable. Uh, if someone offered me, no one's going to offer Goldie, but if they offered, like, I'm trying to think. Who I don't know. Like, I think you might. I think if might if someone offered me Goldie or, like, Freddie Freeman, I would I would 100% accept that trade. And, and to your point, though, of if he's hitting, like, 410 at the end of April, I yeah, that might be a time to try and sell high. But at the same point, like you said, if he's going to hit 270, 280 the rest of the year, that's still very strong, especially in today's game where league average is, like, around 250. So I'm – I'm for the most part, my answer is I'm rolling it out with these two guys unless I completely get blown away. 
So I'm going to take you one there and say that you can have Freeman because I'm going to take both of them over Freeman now. I haven't, so I don't own any shares of Freeman and I haven't, I'll be hundred percent honest because I don't have him. I haven't looked into his numbers yet. Oh, he's uh, off to a fine start. I think he's actually hitting 400. <laughs> it's just the thing is, here's what I'll say. This is all painted out. Maybe it's, this will be an interesting topic for people that are listening in this situation is Freeman was higher for me because he was Freeman and he was like his floor and his ceiling are almost the same. And it's just because he's that good. He's that good every single year. If you told me Bellinger and Hoskins were going to reach their potential this year, I think they're both going to have better seasons. And Hoskins is going to have, obviously have the lesser average, but Hoskins can hit 45 home runs. Bellinger can hit close to 40 with that higher average. And I think that if you put it all together and they both have their breakout seasons and not even their ceilings, just a breakout season, they're going to finish better than Freeman. You, so if I told you Freeman would hit 35 home runs this year, do you think that's too much? I think it's a little too much. Yeah, I, I so... I mean, Frank Stamfel isn't here to defend himself, but he always goes to the point that he still thinks Freeman has, and and I I mean, follow him on Twitter at Roto underscore Frank. He, I know on BFFs when I was there, and I I know he said it this year as well, he still views Freeman's ceiling as being higher than anything he's ever done before. He thinks he can hit 40. He hit 34 a couple years ago. Frank thinks he can hit like 300, hit 40 home runs, like a, over 100 ribbies, something that we really have, we've never seen him put all that together in a season. Speaking of home runs, he just, hit one. just took Trevor Bauer deep. Oh, I have, a, I have a lot of Trevor Bauer this year. Freaking Nico Goodrum hitting cleanup for the Tigers. <laughs> who, who I, I wrote an article on Fantrax last week. I Was thought, it, hey, he's got a 17 position eligibility? Because that's what I liked about him. No, what I like about him is he consistently hits cleanup. It doesn't matter where they play him on the field. He's consistently hitting fourth behind Miggy right now. And I don't love this, this Tigers lineup by any stretch. Oh, it's pitiful. I, it is. But I have to believe that, like, Goodrum is going to get Let's a play a live game for everybody listening. Without looking, don't pull it up. Okay. Can you guess what the lineup is today for the Tigers? You should be able to get the top four, I would think. Well, Harrison. Yeah, which is pathetic. <laughs> Batting leadoff for a team. I mean, oh, look, we can appreciate Harrison for past years, but he should not be the everyday leadoff. But anyway, go, go ahead, continue. Is it the usual four of, of Harrison, uh, Cassianos, Miggy, and then Goodrum? Yes. So now this is, this is where it gets interesting. Name the bottom five. Uh, <laughs> well, five uh, is... Uh, What's his name? I'm drawing. I'm drawing a blank on the name, but the third baseman. Uh, nope, <laughs> it's not him. <laughs> you're not. Uh, no, you're thinking of Candelario. He's off yes. today. Okay, there's a hint for you. So it's no, no Candelario. <laughs> oh man, this is just this is brutal now. <laughs> they're all the, the best batting average of the bat, bottom five is 189, and that's only because he just got a hit. It was lower oh. than that to start. Uh, who who is it? Christian Stewart. Oh man, that guy is. You know, I'm in the. That's a Christian. It's Kristen, by the way. But Chris, yeah, Kristen Stewart. I'm in a 20 team dynasty draft where my team is. Did yeah, you have with, him? And I can. I put in a bid on him the other day. Like it's it's that gross. But yeah, I can't even tell you after him who's in that lineup because it's. <laughs> Nobody has an OPS over 800 either. By the way, then it's the catcher Jordan Hicks. Then it's okay. I had to look this person up myself, Dustin Peterson. Yeah, I can't tell you who that is. 
Gordon Beckham is at third base today with his robust 125 average. And then a North, another former Pittsburgh Pirate is batting in the nine hole, Jordy Mercer at shortstop. That's your, that's your Tigers lineup. And you know what? It might be better than the lineup they're going against today. Uh, Leonis Martin, Ramirez, Luplo. Eh, nah, it's still the Indians. The, the <laughs> bottom close. five of, the, of Cleveland is, is a trope. Like after Carlos Santana. I, know, I, like, I like Jake Bowers. Oh, he's not hitting thirds? Oh, yeah, he's hitting. He, typically, the last couple of days, he's been hitting third. So I thought it was no, like a... They put Luplo at third today. So that, that might be. Weird people third. I don't... Holy crap. I don't even know who their shortstop is today. Eric Stemetz. I, I not can't the Mets, Eric Stemetz. <laughs> <laughs> This, uh, did you know who that was? No. I, just, no. I know Max can, Moroff. Can we bash Cleveland, though? Because what, Wasting their playoff potential? Like, like, they've done it even worse than the Mets did. Like, you have a championship window. You have the best rotation in baseball, and they're healthy. You have two of the best young position players in baseball in Lindor and Ramirez, and yet you've done nothing to add to it. Nah, it's, I don't get it. I don't know. It, and then they'll talk about trading Bauer. So uh, speaking of which, we still need to talk about this, but like trading Bauer or Carrasco or something like that. It's just, you know what it feels like for, for relationship purposes for you and me? Uh, it's the Mets. Hey, look at all this, what we have, and let's just scuttle around. And t- I will say this. Again, I'm not supporting them because I still don't. Let me, and it's not that I don't support them. It's just kind of like I don't get upset anymore. It's like the Giants. I'm not going to get upset because Dave Gettleman is ruining this. Good thing, team. Good thing about that because there's plenty to get upset with the Giants right now. Exactly. That, and that's why, I, that's why I cut the cord with the Mets, and that's why I cut the cord with the Giants is because I don't want to be angry so much. I don't, you don't know this. I told everybody, I told Chris this last week. This is my comparison, Mike. It's like I said, since you've been dating a girl, you guys break up, and you still have feelings for her, and you're thinking maybe things can change. Whoever's fault it was or whatever happened, like you might get back together, but then you see that girl engaged to another guy, and you're like, well, guess that's over, and you can finally move on. That's what it was with me when they traded the – it traded Odell Beckham. It's, I could finally move on. I could finally let go. So now I'm not mad anymore. You want to make stupid decisions? I expect it. Go right ahead. Draft Daniel Jones. You know what? Fine. Whatever. I kind of expect the Giants to be idiots at this point. They're, they're going to take him, aren't they? Oh, this, he's got the Eli Manning coach. He looks like <laughs> Eli Manning as an average quarterback. He's, you know, th- there's greater potential in this draft. There's greater player. Like, Ah, it's it's so set in stone, Mike. It's funny. And then that's the thing is I can laugh now. It feels good. It's relieving. But to your point, I agree with you about the Indians. So what about Trevor? Brad- hey, Kenny aside, he got dung. Dung? Is that, is that the right way to say it? He got dung. He got dinged. <laughs> I'm just making up crap over here. <laughs> Mike and I talked for an hour before we came on the show. That uh, is true. Trevor Bauer. So you want to talk about him. I had a pushback on my rankings and a couple people said that he's going to be the best Indians pitcher this year. I still say Kluber if healthy. It sounded like you're on the Bauer train. So where are you here? Yeah, I ranked Bauer number one of the Cleveland pitchers and the only pitchers I had ranked ahead of him heading into this year were Scherzer, DeGrom, Sale, and Garrett Cole. And I already kind of wish I could, you know, bump him up to three. I I think he is legitimate. Yes, and, and Garrett Cole. Cole. And Cole. I, I, okay. I think uh, Trevor Bauer is legitimately one of the top three or four pitchers in baseball. And the, my one concern with him is if he's going to be able to match like the win total of, say, Garrett Cole because that lineup is atrocious and, and the Astros are the Astros. But uh, with Bauer, you look at what he did last year, and 
I mean, the 2.21 ERA, the 2.4 FIP, the fact that he was giving you over 11 Ks per nine, the walks were down, which was always a big issue for him. And then I look at the fact that last year, I, I read an article actually, Jake, in The Athletic going into last year about Trevor Bauer. And I'm not going to deny tre- that Trevor Bauer, personality-wise, he's a little out there. <laughs> Just wait. Baseball-wise, he's even more out there, and it's amazing. Like, he would spend, like, 10, 12 hours a day, they said, in, like, this one cage. And in the whole day, he would throw, like, 100 pitches. He would just take still frames of himself throwing the pitches, the slider, and compare it to other pitchers who threw that pitch. And he specifically picked out, like, it was Kluber, and I forget the other, but it was, like, two or three of the top best pitchers in baseball. And he wanted to mimic the way they threw their slider because he said he needed, he already had a vertical drop on his pitches. Now he needed a a pitch with horizontal uh, like movement. And then he learned that and his slider last year was one of his best weapons. And then this year he did that with a changeup. He legitimately throws like seven pitches now. So, and they're all <laughs> filthy. Like so he, Dice K Masusaka, is that what you're telling me? Except for if Dice K had, you know, one of the best arms in baseball. Like that's fair. I, I really think Bauer. It sounds like he's trying to be my like MLB the show creative pitcher. That's what he's <laughs> You know what's funny? As a kid, I used to do the same. Like, I would teach my pitcher, like, eight different pitches, and I never understood why more pitchers didn't do it. But now we're starting to see more and more do it. Like, Bauer throws, like, seven pitches. Well, that's like an Eno thing. It's kind of like the the fact this is – so you kind of get into the range of where – what's the difference between a slider and a slurve? Like, you and I – like, people know what it is, but what I say that is, like, what does it look like to a batter? Is this not going to be – so you're never going to, like, follow up your slider with a slurve to throw somebody off. It's just going to be a little bit different of a break. Like, what's the difference between having a circle change and a Vulcan change? The Vulcan change dips a little bit more. The circle change has a little bit more side break. But, like, if it's still a change-up speed, and I think that's why more – like, that's why you don't see, like, seven pitches. Like, it's just – what does it add? What does it add to you, especially if it's not your most effective pitch? Yeah, and and I know there's there's a lot of uh, like baseball like fans and such who they get mad when like pitchers uh, when batters like chase a pitch in the that you know like a rising fastball or a pitch in the dirt. And I think I know like he's mainstream now, but pitching ninja has done a great job of showing just how difficult it is to hit major league pitching and that. Coming off the hand, two, three, you know, sometimes in some cases it could be more than that. Pitches look the same initially, and then they do two completely different things. And, like, it just shows how, to me at least, I kind of view it as having the, the ability to mix things up as much as Trevor Bauer can. And I, I agree with what you say. Not all pitches go together. But just the fact that he has so many pitches in his arsenal that he could consistently keep hitters off balance, I – I, I'm very bullish on Trevor Bauer. Uh, I actually, I, me and you had a conversation on this during the Tout Wars draft. I'm very happy with the two I took now looking back on it, but I was considering Bauer, uh, Syndergaard, and Severino. And this is before I really, really came around on Bauer. Uh, I had the three of them ranked back to back to back, and I ultimately took Bauer and Syndergaard. I know many, you also disagreed. I, I got lucky in that sense. I'm not going to say I didn't that Severino ended up being the one that got injured. That was pure luck. But <laughs> I, I'm just so happy that I still took Trevor Bauer because since that that's, draft, that's I'm, the, no, really I'm, I'm with you. That's the one downfall. Like I hate the fact that the labor draft is the first week of February because my close, I said, you know what? I'm on the seven, eight almost turn. 
I'm going to double down on closers for how volatile the position is at this point. I mean, look at what we're going through right now. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But I was like, you know what? I'm not only going to take the closers, I'm going to take the guys with the lower, the great ratios, but also striking out 100 batters. And I went Chapman Kimbrell back to back. Well, guess what? Kimbrell is still on my bench. And you know what? That's, I just, that's the unfortunate side. Like, I also took Kershaw in that draft. And where I took Kershaw in the fourth round, I was like, hey, you know what? I'll take 180 innings, as you said previously in this show. I'll take the 180 innings of amazing innings from a Kershaw, even if it's not what Kershaw used to be. I'll still take that versus 220 of like a Fultonevich, who granted also got hurt, but you see my point. And yeah. so that's the downside to drafting early. It's like, yes, you can get some values. It's just like football. But on the down, you know, the downside is these things happen two months before the season starts. So, actually, let's jump into that. I want to get into. Um, wait, what? What was the question I was about to ask you? I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> I said, I, speaking I, of which, oh, the closers. Yeah, the closer situation. So, we I put it in here, Swarzak, and then it w- looked like Blake Parker were the two new closers that come in, but then Swarzak gets the save, and Parker comes in, in the seventh inning. What are we doing, Florio? So on Swarzak, I have no doubts that he is the closer, and I, I wrote but about that's this. That's what we on, said about Parker last week. No, I, I and this one is a little bit different, and I wrote it on my Patreon page. I said I, I have no doubts that Swarzak is the closer until he gives us a reason to lose that job because the Mariners, uh, for some reason, their offense is the best in baseball right now. There's been numerous games in the past week uh, where either they've taken the, like they've blown it open to where it's no longer a save scenario or their bullpen blew the lead and it didn't lead to a save scenario but of all the options in that bullpen the one that was consistently not used in the middle innings has been Swarzak so to me they're saving him for those save opportunities and I, I expect him to continue to get those again until he if he reverts back to what he was last year ultimately loses that job as for Parker I actually tweeted out last night that it was Parker's job in the, when the game was in the sixth inning because Trevor May came in with a three-run lead, and Trevor May hasn't been used at all like he is the closer this year, whereas outside of opening day where it was very lefty-heavy and they used Rodgers, it's basically been Blake Parker's job. So I thought that was, right. that was his role. But last night, I do think it is also worth mentioning when they brought – uh, Parker in it was the seventh inning with two outs and a man on second in a three-run game I'm actually going to try and check who even was up when he came in because I believe it was the heart of the Mets lineup so I view that I, I know it sucks for fantasy because you're looking at it like all right well I can't trust this guy for saves but if they're bringing him in you know at, at crucial in points in the game late innings to me that still means that he is the one that they trust the most yeah, because they brought in the Harper guy after him. He was like a 30-year-old reliever. And then the, the Jean guy was the one that closed it out. And what is? I think that was his first appearance. Hold on, let me pull Yeah, 25 years old, two years of experience, his first appearance of the season. And he gave up four runs in that one inning. So to your point, I, so you're telling me what it sounds like is Blake Parker owners can breathe a sigh of relief after yesterday. Is that it's still okay? Yeah, like I... I don't know if he's going to lead this team in saves on the year because they. I think they're very much going to be in contention and may make a move. I know like Matt Modica was saying yesterday, like Ken Giles is the name that makes sense there. And, and oh, I don't disagree. Who? I was, like, so make a trade. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so but, but the, here's the thing is, you know what? The Twins and the Nationals and the Cardinals and all these teams, if only there was somebody out there who could help them right now for just signing a contract. Yeah, I, I mean – I don't get it at all, 
The only thing I could be thinking is Kimberl's like, no, I'm taking $100 million, nothing less. That's the only thing I could think of that's holding this up at this point. Yeah, I I remember, I haven't even seen any news on him. It came out the other day that Keuchel still wants to beat the qualifying offer. And it's like, okay, his asking price hasn't gone down at all. That makes sense as to why no team has signed him then, even though it kind of doesn't still. But like Kimbrell, unless he still wants six years, $100 million, there's I, I don't see any – like it, if he, you get him down to three or four years, it makes no sense to me as to why teams who very much don't need the bullpen help aren't signing him. I thought the Brewers for sure were going to when they lost Corey Knable, but – Josh Hader needs one pitch to get everyone out, so I guess they're just comfortable rolling well, they, with that. We got Jeffers coming back too, so I guess I still thought they would they would sign him because they're so starting I. not they they can't rely. I I thought the formula was in place for them five maybe six innings out of our starter, and then hope well, we have is, is if you go to Kimmerer with four years seventy two million, and I pick seventy two because it's eighteen a year. If you went four for seventy two, do you think is he really turning that down at this point? I don't think so. I, I one thing I did see was he wants to get like Chapman and, and Kenley Jansen like AAV money, and I don't I don't think that's wrong by him at all. Maybe I think the years that's when fair. he was expecting six years was wrong. But he's what, what's still, Chapman getting every year? Uh, I believe Chapman and Jansen are both like seventeen, eighteen million. Oh, so that's what I said. Eighteen, four years, seventeen. Not saying that to you. I'm just saying, no, like, yeah. And I don't, I, I don't get why teams have the compensatory pick it. nonsense that baseball is going to get. Sh- that's one of the many reasons that they better get the CBA nonsense figured out before the next year rolls around. I think we're going. I think we're going to see a strike personally in 2020. Yeah, it's 2020, right? Because we have yeah, baseball and football are the same year. I, I didn't know the exact year, but I know it's coming up soon. And I think we're going to see a strike, though, because it, it, players are just being taken advantage of. Oh, yeah, the whole it's the nonsense with the Super 2s. And fortunately, a lot of those teams started to take care of it and kind of ruin it. Let's see, it expires in 2021, December. So we got time. We got, we got time to figure this out. Yeah, but like... We're, I, I don't blame the players at all because we're seeing them, their service time get exploited so that they hit free agency at a later age and then teams are holding that against them. Like, it, it, I, I'm happy, though, that we are starting to see, like you said, a lot of teams take care of it and sign these extensions. And not to go off on a different topic, the people saying, oh, these players are costing themselves money. I mean, just look at all the horror stories. Like, if I'm a pitcher, I well, look at Matt Harvey's talk- story and I – I'm like, yeah, I'll sign money. And we say this about all, and Acuna has played in the major leagues. So I understand people are like, oh, he took $100 million. He could have made so much more because he's going to be 30 by the time the contract expires. But even so, it's still $100 million. What if Acuna blows out his leg this year and he's never the same? Or if you talk about Vlad, who hasn't even come up yet, Tatis, who hadn't come up until they signed the contract. And then it's the kid, I can't think of his name right now, the one that signed. There's the first one that did this like four or five years ago. He was the one from the Astros that signed. He was the corner infielder, and he never amounted. Like, he never even made like the major league roster for more than a couple weeks. Was it the guy that Nando loved? Uh, yes. That's, yeah. Oh, I'm drawing a blank as well, but the power hitting like first baseman. Yes. yes. Struck out him. every at bat he had. Yes. In the- yeah, and that guy is set for life now. I sound like freaking Daniel Bryan over here. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> what about like a like? I know it's different because he came from Cuba, but like Rusni Castillo, like we all thought he was a can't miss prospect. He hasn't been in the bigs in years. Exactly. So it's kind of you know what if somebody came to you and said whatever job you're doing right now you're gonna get a hundred million dollars, or if you hold out for four years, continue to do your work the way that you're doing your work, 
you might get $200 million. Who's not going to say, well, just, just give me the $100 million. Remember when, when the Mets had the billion-dollar rotation? So, yeah. They're not even going to well. make a half a million dollars, those guys. Like, DeGrom got significantly less. Harvey is never going to – we thought Harvey was going to get 300 mil. He got, he got 10. Like, Mats is never going to get a big payday. Like, it's just it, – it, take the money while you can because there's no guarantee that you live up to what you can be. No, 100% not. Um, John Singleton. That's it. Nando loved Singleton. Yep, John Singleton with no H in his first name. John with an N. John Singleton. <laughs> what was his freaking contract? I know he was making, like, he made so much money. He never did anything. For everybody that wants to know, he played in 2014 for basically, well, 2015, he played 19 games. 2014, a whole 310 at bats, a robust 168 average with his 13 home runs. And then a few games in 2015, and that was the end of him. Literally, and the end. That was it. Wh- wh- is he playing anywhere now? Like overseas or something? I thought, he, I thought he just straight up quit because he was like, he didn't want to take it anymore. Like he just, it was, I don't Hopefully know. Hopefully he played out that contract first. Oh no, he, I don't think he, <laughs> I definitely don't think he did. What was the, what was the, Don Singleton, like, like, hey, live tweet or contract, live uh, search and Google. See, this is how you know when we don't look stuff up because we don't do stuff like this. It was, <laughs> he got a guaranteed $10 million before even signing his, like that's, he signed $10 million before he even played minor league baseball. And yeah, if he and there's nothing, to his, people are complaining about Acuna taking a hundred million. <laughs> like, like, and that's the thing. Like, if Acuna, if they offered him like half of that, let's say, and he was like, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna earn more than that." Yeah, that's I, I get it. A hundred million dollars is your kids' kids don't have to work ever again. Money, like, who cares if yeah, oh, freaking Fry from Futurama is gonna be living off your money. Like, who cares if, oh, hey, if I played it out, I could have made $120 million. Like, I Or even $200. Like, down? Here's yeah, the like, question. Like, like, and I know we'll never know, but like a comparative sake is, you know, how much is your life changing from $100 million to even $200? Even if you doubled it. Like, at $100 million, you buy what the hell you want. Like, that's yeah. just, I don't, I don't understand what $200 million does. Like, now you buy twice as much as the hell as you want? <laughs> And and again, like I know we we keep like like Yuan Moncada was the before Cunha that was it was Moncada and he's like I'm sure if he would have been offered a hundred million dollar contract then he'd probably be thinking right now like oh man I wish I signed it. Yeah, speaking of those two, I'm surprised more teams didn't do the the uh, route that Al Melchior went with and named their team Acuna Moncada. Oh yeah, there's a team in my league named that actually. Is there? I thought yeah. it would have been a lot more popular than it was. I mean, it's out there and like little blips, but I thought it would be, you know what? I want to bring up the two pictures that you wanted to talk about. So one first, Madison Bumgarner. Now Madison Bumgarner looks like he said, you know what? I'm going to be a different pitcher and I'm going to be really good at being a different pitcher so far this year. Where are you on Madison Bumgarner? Are you a believer? I'm are you not. Smash mouth? I, <laughs> I am not smash mouth. Uh, I, I was off of Mad Bum coming into this season, and I actually wrote a bold prediction article uh, for Fantrax, and I said he'll be dropped in the second half of fantasy baseball seasons because I looked at his numbers last year, and really the one saving grace for him was that he pitches in the most pitcher-friendly ballpark. His home ERA was below two. His road ERA was over five. So I was really worried that, hey, this is a team that we all know is going to be bad. We all know he's in the last year of his contract, and the Giants are looking down the barrel of a long rebuild. Like, they're going to trade him. 
Uh, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I'm looking down the barrel of a four to five, four to five. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> like, like, so I I was like very off of Mad Bum. But then after opening day, I, I put out there, I said, he might be making me look wrong because his velocity was up. He threw a pitch harder on opening day than any pitch he threw last year. He was also throwing his cutter a lot more. And that is his best pitch now with that declining fastball. And, and, Batters have had well, a that's what I, yeah. That's what I was getting at is the fact that it's not he's throwing the slider more than ever. And to what you said is he's throwing like if you look at if you look at the numbers on Fangraphs you'll see just fastball. But if you go down to where they split the fastball with the cutter because he still throws a regular fastball is the cutter as you mentioned has been a lot more effective. Yeah, and and last year it really was and his fastball for the last three seasons batters have had over two hundred ISO and I put it in my article for the Athletic. Last year, their ISO was 272 against his fastball, which is what Christian Yelich's ISO was on the year. So they were all hitting his fastball <laughs> like they were the NL MVP. And so I looked at him yesterday after his start on uh, on Monday. And so far, like, first of all, his velocity is down since opening day. And his cutter usage has declined. And yesterday he threw it only 35% of the time, which is the lowest he has all year. And batters are starting to figure out that he's throwing it more and hitting 267 with a 333 ISO so far against that pitch. I understand it's very early in the season, but if that pitch and the added velocity were like kind of the saving graces for Mad Bum, both are kind of starting to dwindle. I think Madison Bumgarner is done. I think he's heading towards a Felix Hernandez type route. And unfortunately, Ooh. he didn't have the big payday like Felix did. So I, if I have Mad Bum right now, I'm trying to shop him. I, I, first of all, I don't. I avoided drafting him everywhere. But if I do, I would try to shop him now based off of name. See that, and that's the flip side of a player. That's the one you want to. You talk about your Matt Harvey thing. Remember the World Series where he like pitched like 17 times. He's like, no, screw you guys. I'm winning this thing for us. Yeah, and I mean, if he should never ever have to buy a meal or a drink or anything in San Fran again. He's another one of these guys who gave up really his big payday for his team's benefit, and and possibly gave up his career for pitching all that stuff. To your point, so let me ask you this then: on the flip side, because he's another pitcher that has changed what he's doing, and all of a sudden Zach Eflin has turned into a strikeout monster by doing some things different. But I'm gonna, you wanted to talk about him, so I, I don't want to spoil anything. I'll let you talk about <laughs> your love for Zach Eflin. Yeah, Eflin last year, he was a guy who was on my radar heading into this year because he did show last year, he was just under a K per inning guy. He, his ERA was over four, but the FIP and XFIP were, were lower. I thought he was a guy who did have some upside. But looking at what he's done this year, he's really reinventing himself. He's throwing a cutter now. And we didn't see him throw a cutter till his final two starts of last season. And now it's become his new primary pitch. Like he's throwing it in place of what last year was his primary pitch, his four-seam fastball. And so far this year, he's getting really strong results on that pitch. Uh, batters have not hit an extra base hit against that pitch this year. He also has just a 222 uh, batting average against that pitch. And what really stands out to me was he has a 23 swinging strikes this year nine of them have come on that cutter he doesn't have more than four with any other of his pitches so he really found that put away pitch for him now that when he has two strikes on a batter he can throw the cutter and and expect to get a swinging strike or at the very least induce very weak contact 
I maybe, you know, batters can figure this out. But right now, I'm very intrigued by Eflin. I've shot offers to him in leagues that I don't have him in. And I think he can be this year's, like, big breakout pitcher. All right. So if you could only hang out with one for the afternoon, Zach Eflin or Zach Efron? Uh, probably Eflin <laughs> because we would get to talk baseball and I would feel more comfortable doing that. But I think I'd have more fun with Zach Efron. See, it, I see. I could see that, but here's also the downside. This is like, hey, you're hanging out with Zac Efron. There's going to be girls everywhere, but they're not going to even know you're there. Yeah, Those like no like- one is going to know I exist because everyone is going <laughs> to want to get to him. With Zac exactly. Efron, I'm pretty sure no one would recognize us if we were like walking down the street. Unless you're in Philly. Yeah, outside. Like if, if he was, you know, like in LA playing the Dodgers for a weekend, he was like, yo, you want to just, we have an off day. You want to hang out? Like I'm pretty sure no one would recognize us. And nobody would know. But in Philly, definitely, because he still has that. He's got that hair that's starting to grow out, right? He's got like with that, yeah, dirty beard, mustachey thing kind of going on. Like it's just kind of, it's not, it's not, it's not the smooth beard, that's for sure. He's gonna go the uh, the Daniel Bryan route, you think? No, oh my god, no. <laughs> oh, speaking of, are you uh, thumbs up or thumbs down on Degrom with the facial hair? Oh, I'm thumbs up. Do you want I, him to I keep like growing it? it? Yeah, and I, I also like the too. Look. Like what hat? Like this? Yeah, this is like they're, they're like the anti-Yankees. They're like we're going to start growing facial hair. Everybody is. I feel like Syndergaard thinks he's like a Dothraki or something. Like with this new like <laughs> button like tied up as he pitches. Like I, I am kind of look. I get what you're. I'm glad he tied it up. I was getting so tired of it blowing in his face. I would. I. I've never really grown long hair like that. It would annoy me so much. If I constantly had to be brushing it out of my face. I actually have a pic. I think I still have it on my phone. I might have to send. No, I don't trust you. I was going to say I might have to send. <laughs> I have. I had never got that long. I got my hair down to the point where it was in the back. It was almost to my shoulder just because I was always curious. And I, it, this was back when I had the deli so I could put a hat on. So it, okay. it wasn't like, oh, my God, this looks stupid as you're trying to grow it out. And I just, I, like you, I've, I've never in my life had long hair. But it got to that point. I was like, yeah, this is just starting to look. I don't, I don't know what it would have turned out like, but it's definitely, it was very wavy and it wasn't curly, but it was just, it, it's weird. My hair is weird. It's def, it definitely needs to stay short for the rest of my life. Growing your hair out, I don't think people realize, like people just think, oh, you don't touch your hair. It's, I've tried it. It's a tough commitment because before it, like you said, before it gets long, it gets like curly and annoying and it looks weird. Like there's a in-between phase that I don't know how long it takes because that's whenever I try to grow out my hair, this in-between phase is where I quit, but <laughs> it's not easy. Like, you got to start using like product and stuff and keeping it soft and manageable. And it's like, I don't got time for this. Yeah. Like it, it's not like, Oh, I just wake out of bed and Oh, I have long hair. I roll. No, it's how long, does it, how long are you in the shower for when you shower? 10 minutes. If that the 10 minutes is too long. Am I the only person out there is like five minutes is even a long shower. So I mean, think about it. Your body, I'm bigger than you are. Your body's not that big. You wash your hair. Well, for okay, well, I don't know what everybody else does, but armpits, other area, and then I <laughs> use like soap to wash my legs because it's kind of like, I don't mind. Like, like I'm kind of like washing my hands at the same time. Like, that's why I want to get that out of the way. And then I wash my upper body and hair and I'm done. Like, I'm done. I've washed everything. I'm done. I'm not going to stand here for 15 minutes in this water, wasting water, heat, air, like all this stuff and like making my bills go up because... I'm done. Like what? I, I took my shower. I'm done. See, for one, I've never paid a water bill. Uh, it's always been included. But okay, if, if I'm strictly business, like when I have when I shower before work, it's strictly business. Yeah, it's less than ten minutes. Like I'm in, I'm out, I'm done. But like 
if I have time, if I put music on or a podcast on or something, like I'll linger. I've never listened to anything in the shower ever. Are you are you serious? I do ever. it all like all the time. I don't sing. I don't do other things. I had a girlfriend at one time said, "So which do you do? Do you sing or do you do the other thing?" Like I've, whatever. <laughs> like I don't do anything in the shower. I just shower and I'm done. And I just like you, I I guess I'm the anomaly. I guess I'm the weird one. You also like I don't know about you. I feel like you know you get you get good ideas when you're in the shower. No, I get idea. I get good ideas while I'm sleeping. Like, how does that work? Because it's just like stuff I think about. Well, as I'm falling asleep, or two oh. is like I'll actually. I was gonna say I'll actually dream it. If I could write a freaking horror novel of some of the stuff that I've dreamt, oh my god! I like I put these people out of, out of business. Yeah, I I don't think of, you know what I a lot of I like it's when I'm doing other stuff. Like when I'm sitting down looking, like trying to figure out, oh, what do I want to write about today? I can't really think of stuff, but like I'll be walking down the street and all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, I should write about this. Like it, it's weird. That's why phone notes are good. I've done that before. I, just I do that a lot too. For everybody out there that's wondering how we do our jobs. <laughs> but I've also, some advice I've been told is uh, like notes. They just, they, you use them to keep down bad ideas and it makes sense. Cause it was like, if anything is that good and you feel that strongly about it, you'll remember it. Hmm. I'm the other way. I have so many amazing ideas that I forget <laughs> some of them. <laughs> uh, if I said anything different, you would know it's not me. Come on. All right. Two more quick ones. Let's, let's hit on these before we get out of here. We're not doing football. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I hope you didn't wait this long and be like, when are they going to talk some football? Because uh, it's not happening. Segway, because <laughs> I put all the wrestling stuff at the end of the show. So for you guys wondering what the hell just happened, that's why. So if you want to listen to wrestling, well, you can listen to the end of the show. If you don't, eh, you can just tune out when the credits roll. So anyway, last player that I want to ask you about. Specifically because I own him in a lot of leagues because I was high on him. Nando was high on him. Maybe I got sucked into the Nando hype, but is I am Lord, 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 Lordy, Lordy Goriel and looked okay yesterday finally, but it's definitely been looking terrible so far at the start, so far to start this year. Are you were you a Goriel person before the season started? I can't say that I was. Uh, I, I don't have any shares. I, I Honestly, I thought you were going to go a different player when you said that. I thought what, you were Jay go Bruce in his 17 home runs already? No, I thought you because you said Nando loved him. I thought you were going to go Matt Strom because Nando has been on him for like 10 years. Oh, him too. We can bring all of them. But people want to know about Matt Strom. has <laughs> been struggling. I don't have any shares. Okay. okay. Guriel, Jay Bruce, Matt Strom. Pick your or just talk about all three. Jay Bruce, I understand that what he's doing power-wise is not going to continue, but the fact that He's had, I think he's made contact with nine balls this year, like in play, technically in play, and seven have left the ballpark. His, <laughs> he's sporting right now a .08 BABIP. So <laughs> a lot of people are like, oh, once this power stops, the value is going to be sapped out of Jay Bruce. But I'm looking at it like, well, the power is going to lead to more balls in play, which is going to lead to a higher BABIP, which is going to lead to a higher average. So I'm not entirely, like I'm, I think I'm higher on the Jay Bruce uh you know, resurgence than most people. And I actually, I'm kicking myself for not drafting him in more places. Cause I did write that he was a sleeper because last year was just, it was a lost year with that plantar fasciitis and he was yeah. dirt cheap. He was free. And I thought he was a candidate to hit 30 home runs this year. I just didn't and think he was going to the playing time. That was the one concern. And I don't know what they're doing in Seattle. Cause like, 
I mean, Vogelbach is kill, is playing awesome as well. They need to find a way to get him in. Finally. Kind of, yeah, I know. Like, the, they, we thought they weren't going to have enough time to get these guys, and it's actually looking like a good problem to have for them right now. They're all being productive. So I'm hopeful that they're not going to keep this pace up, but, you know, I am hopeful that they continue to see this playing time. And I'm kicking myself for Jay Bruce, but, yeah, I think I'm more – I'm higher on him than some because I think the average is definitely going to rebound. Okay. Well, they got my boy too, Domingo San- or Domingo Santana. Yeah. I have early shares of Domingo because like I, when he got traded, like I, that was, like, I think it was my first article on Patreon. I wrote like, he's finally free. Don't forget about what he did the year before, blah, blah, blah. But well, then- that's where I brought up the Jay Bruce thing. I actually said that he could bump up to the third hole when Jay Bruce sits versus lefties. Like that's part of the reason I was like, hey, don't you know, don't overlook Santana. Yeah, and I mean he's been amazing, but th- the issue was in early drafts, you know, you were getting him in the later teen rounds and, and oh come, beginning of February he was free. Yeah, and then come, you know, late March, he's going in like the twelfth round. It was just like I I have a lot more shares of him on my early teams than I do on my later. How long do you think I could hold that Domingo? Uh, 15 seconds. You want to time it or you want me sure. to time it? You want to test time it? it here? Give me here. one second. Pulling no, up. My I, got, I got the, yeah, I just pulled it up faster. You're slow. I got it pulled up faster. Here, so we can say, hold on. Let me take a breath. Let's see if I can do it. We'll pretend he just hit a home run. We'll see how long we got here. Ready? Do should I start with a D or the O? Like the, the timer. D, I would say. Okay. All right. We'll pretend he just hit a home run. All right. Ready? Domingo twenty three. Holy crap, I'm about to die. <laughs> I I give you credit because I was also timing it here and I didn't realize how long, like when it 15 was like, seconds long. So I was like, oh my God, that's longer than I realized. Yeah, exactly. I, when you say it, it's like, oh, it's just 15. Like you were at like seven seconds. And I was like, my voice would probably be done by now. Like it's like I scratched a few times in there too. Did you notice that? Yes. And I was trying not to laugh because I didn't want to throw you off. But like I moved away from my mic and like chuckled to myself. I actually got sweaty. Holy crap. <laughs> I give those <laughs> soccer guys a hell of a lot of credit. I'm sure your your face is like beat red right now too. Oh, here, hold on. Let me look in the camera. <laughs> I can tell you. I think if I prepped up too, I probably could have. Oh yeah, I am. I probably could have got a few more seconds if I would have like, you know, a couple breaths. Like that. That should be your podcast thing now. Until you, you like, you see if you next one, you see if you could break your own record. <laughs> see, I get thirty seconds. <laughs> Eventually, you're gonna be doing it for like a minute, and everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's probably a joy to listen to as well. <laughs> I hope I'm actually I'm gonna start the podcast with that. And the best thing is if someone clicks like the plus fifteen second button, it'll still be going on. Oh, good call. Don't tell like, me that though. Yeah, that that's I give you, you credit. That was a very long time. It was. It felt a hell of a lot longer than I was looking at the timer and I'm like, oh my god, this is a lot slower than I expected. Uh, speaking of telling people things, uh, one time in, or one more time, in case anybody's still listening at this point, tell Florio, tell them where to follow you, tell them where your work is, tell them what you're doing, tell them everything. 
Yeah, you can find me at Michael F. Florio on Twitter. I have a Patreon page. That's really the best uh, spot to get my fantasy baseball information. I have content coming out daily, including a, a podcast and in-depth dives on starting pitchers. I also write for fan tracks right now, two baseball articles a week, two football a week. Uh, my last two football, Patrick Mahomes up for regression and, and Juju versus AB. Uh, check those out if you can. And then uh, come NFL season, I'll be doing some work over there. So really the best spot to find my work, I would say, is to follow me on Twitter at Michael F. Florio and then just see it as I tweet it out. Yeah, oh, Florio is one of the best and my <laughs> arms are sweaty. Jakey, I will say, I don't know if I'm one of the best, but I imagine this is the longest you, you've ever had to set aside to record a podcast. Uh, if you want to include the hour we talked beforehand, absolutely. <laughs> we've been on this call for like two and a half hours right now. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> Zoom is like, I know we said free account, but dude, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably want you to start paying now. I think my ear pod's about to die of the battery charge. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, hey, hey, there's a test with the AirPods. I got for free, by the way. I didn't buy them. I'm not one of those people. So in case he's like Florio, I'm Jake Seeley. I'll be back next week uh, with a shorter show, and maybe I can both go longer with Domingo, though. So I'll talk to you next time. Two more baseball players, and you know what? This will appease everybody who's complaining. I actually had people for you to complain that uh, my mailbag over on the athletic. Oh, you have football questions in here. So you know what I did? I did the very first section all baseball. I didn't mix them up. I put a break and I said, "Hey, all the rest of the questions are going to be football. If that bothers you, stop reading." And people are still complaining. Like I'm sorry that people are asking questions. I'm trying to help them, and I can control what people want to ask about. They want to ask about football year round. Guess what? Did people complain when you tr- dropped the baseball question during the middle of football season? No. Get over yourself. Anyway, can you tell them? I'm I'm surprised there wasn't more WrestleMania questions in there. I don't think people realize as much as I do at wrestling. Actually, I found that out too at the athletic. Is there's definitely where I used to work in football used to be the biggest thing I did year round, except for my baseball rankings. Like, so matter, no matter what I wrote about baseball wise, if I wrote one thing, football, it would capitalize everything I've done baseball, except for rankings on the flip side. It feels like there's a very distinguished like break is the foot. Like I'll give you an example. My football, my rankings came out for my rookies, pre-draft rookies. And I was super excited about it. 101 players. I did for you. Super excited. Uh, of work and love it. It's amazing. And yes, it's mine. So of course I'm going to think it's amazing, but other people have said the same and it got a mediocre reception. Previously, it would have been enormous and huge and everything. It's just, there's a break. It seems like the athletic people are very more, it's baseball season. We want baseball, which would probably make you happy. Yeah. Cause that's how I kind of view it. Except for this, this is the first time where I'm writing football year round. And I've noticed that like, Similar to you, like I've written uh, all these draft prospects, this about the draft. The only ones that have really like gotten like people on Twitter, and again, it's it's a lot different, but the only ones who have got like people like tweeting me and like talking about kind of are I wrote one about Mahomes regressing, and then I wrote today uh, Juju versus AB. Like the draft, I I don't know. I guess people don't really because they don't know. A lot of people, I guess, don't know of who these players are. They don't care until they're on a team, I feel like. I think that's part of it. I think maybe a lot of people don't know that I do that or have done that every single year. 
And then Nando actually thinks part of it was 101 is like overwhelming. Like it was too many players. I'm like, oh my God. Like, because it ended up being like 11,000, almost 12,000 words. It's the biggest one I ever did. But I did it because I thought that's what people want. It's like everybody that's everybody that's everybody that you need to know. And whatever way, it didn't but, hit. But my follow up to this is what did this have to do with WrestleMania? Uh, <laughs> oh, the fact that people don't know that I'm into wrestling. So how do people not know that? Because people just, I, that's what I'm saying. It's like to go back to the, yeah, that's what I feel. I feel like people are very, in, not in their own bubble, but they like what they like and don't really pay much attention to the other stuff going on. Like somebody the other day was like a wrestling, like I followed you and you're tweeting about fake wrestling, blah, blah, blah. Still coming with the fake stuff. Like, oh my God, Florida, did you know that wrestling's fake? Did you know this? Did you I, always, know this? I always argue back. And I say it's scripted. It's not fake. Thank you. Exactly. That's a really good way of putting it. So all that being said was, yeah, somebody like, oh, I can't believe I follow you. You talk about wrestling. It's like it, people, for some reason, it seems like are like, we want what I like. They want what they want. And that's it. The end. They don't care that you like other things. So that's where I came into the wrestling because you made me think about that is that <laughs> the people who are listening for baseball don't want to listen to football. They don't want to talk about football. It, it makes sense. And, and I won't talk about WrestleMania. I'll, I'll just say one quick thing. I no, we're going to talk about you brought it up. I skipped the People entire pre-show. Look, hold on, time out. People can stop listening to this podcast anytime they want. I've got my reviews. I appreciate your five-star <laughs> reviews and the people that love you. If you don't like me, I think you've already stopped listening. That's true. Jakey, I, I got I to my more reviews, house. I didn't mean like I've already got enough. But <laughs> <laughs> I got to my friend's house. I missed the whole pre-show. I missed the Rollins versus Seth match. And I missed... Uh, Randy Orton versus AJ Styles, and I still thought WrestleMania was entirely too long. You mean the Rollins versus Brock, but yeah, I know what you meant. Oh, that's um, what I meant. Sorry, yeah. Did I say Rollins? I, I think I did. That's going to be impressive. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think it was too... Look, I th here's the deal. Is if you're sitting there from the pre-show from 5 o'clock all the way till midnight, that's, your that's actually what was it, like 12.15. It's almost a, a job. You almost had a, a work schedule that day. This is almost eight hours, and I understand that. At the same time, I thought they did it cleaner than they have before. It was tight and enjoyable enough that it didn't feel that way. But I will say this also. I also had baseball on the side. I also got up and made dinner. Like I didn't just sit there in front of it and just keep watching and not kind of also vary what I was doing. Yeah, it's just like to me, the reason I also think it's way too long is I think you robbed the main event of being something very special because the oh, fans no, 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 no. were completely out of it. So, okay. We are going to come back to baseball to finish off the show. If anybody hasn't stopped <laughs> listening that don't care about wrestling, <laughs> but it wasn't even the show. What robbed the final match was the fact that we had to have freaking triple H in Batista go for 40 minutes. That was the problem. Yeah. And, and that match was entirely too long. Uh, I thought the, the Rey Mysterio match was pointless. Oh, I did not I mean, care about Kurt Angle. Like, yeah, I don't like, like that was a terrible way to send Kurt Angle out. Yeah, but they followed it up on Monday night. I mean, I, uh, I haven't. Well, seen, you know why they're doing it? They're doing it because I, they're setting up freaking um, what's his face Corbin to be Reigns' next main opponent. He so Corbin is terrible. When are they going to realize that? No one, know, no one moves him. I know, and the problem is, is he's so terrible that this is going to be like bad for Reigns. 
because people are going to blame Reigns. Like I, you already, it's already starting to turn back. Did you watch Monday Night Raw? Not yet, but you could tell me what happened. I don't. It's okay. Uh, no, so what? There's a, there's a. It's actually released by WWE. Watch. It's after the show. Rollins had grabs, grabs the mic and brings Reigns out, and then they say goodbye to Ambrose. This is all after the show, and. There's even a little bit, and granted, it is New York, and it is the post WrestleMania crowd. So those are that's always the crowd that's the most weird, anyway. At the same time, there was a smattering of booze already starting for Reigns, and it's because I hate these people. I hated them before he went away to get treatment for leukemia. Is the ones that want to boo Reigns just because they want to boo Reigns, just because it's the cool thing to do. Well, now it's because it's different. Well, guess what? Now it's not different. It's so common that you're 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 the idiots that are contradicting yourselves. Anyway. I hate that. I, I'm obviously a Reign supporter, but Me too. I don't think he's the most amazing wrestler ever, but he's come a hell of a long way, both on the mic and wrestling professionally, and he is putting together some of the more entertaining matches there are out there. So, And, uh, and I, I don't know if you agree, Jake. I think the product desperately missed him when he was gone. I think so, too, and everybody complained. People missed John Cena. People hate John Cena, but you know what? He is, brings entertainment. You know, as much as you want to, I mean, he got booed at freaking WrestleMania, even though he came out as old school John Cena, which was he, kind of funny. I thought he stole the show. I thought he the was the funnest part. Yes. That's I thought he thing. was the funnest part. But anyway, so there was like a spattering of booze. I just see it. And especially if you're going to put him against Corbin, because Corbin's going to get what you just said. He's going to get the, oh God, I can't, can, can we get, stop forcing Corbin down our throats? And the problem was before that the reason people started booing Reigns in the first place is because they were forcing Reigns down your throats. Well, if you start forcing Corbin down your throat with Reigns, who still has that underline of the hate from before, you're just gonna, you're gonna waste everything that you know turned around. And I'm not saying oh, that just sounded bad. You you <laughs> everybody's gonna I be like oh, you know you understand everybody understands where I'm coming from. I'm not saying that like they used leukemia or whatever, but uh, if, whatever. There's no way to. It, it's very sad that they're gonna get upset enough for people to cheer for him. Like. Right. And that's the only thing I don't get. Like, the the whole argument of like, okay, yeah, he was handpicked and shoved down our throat. But then like, the those same people hate The Rock and hate Batista and hate all these part time guys because they're like and Brock and they're like, oh, these guys aren't here working every day. But Reigns is like Reigns is there every day doing house shows, doing everything, and you still hate him for it. Like, well, I, I, and the worst part about it is too is to your point is they want is. More Shield, more Reigns, more Rollins, more, 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 more. And WWE, granted, went overboard and said, all right, fine, we're going to give him to you more than you've ever wanted. And it's like, oh, hold on, hold on. You gave him to us too much. We, we, we don't want that. So I'd like to like, it's like somebody sitting there like, ah, I want some more ice cream. Give me some more ice cream. And somebody's like, all right, well, here's a bucket. And I'm like, you're an, you're an ass. I don't want a bucket. Like, that's kind of like <laughs> what it is. My thing, the only thing I've ever criticized WWE with Reigns is I thought they dropped the ball tremendously after he beat The Undertaker. Like, I thought he could have been the, one of the biggest heels, like, ever. Like, remember, he oh, had that, that biggest thing is that people wanted him to be a heel. That's he what had that, that Raw where he didn't say a word and got booed for, like, 10 minutes. I <laughs> know. You know, this is, you want to give my real, so now I've decided I'm going to clip this and put this at the end so people are going to be like, oh, I'll listen to wrestling stuff at the end. So this was my perfect way that they could have made Reigns heelish too and i'm going to give you i'm going to paint the picture for you this is my genius ideas while i'm laying in bed <laughs> so i think part of the reason like I, tell me if i'm wrong when i say all this too and if you disagree but so i'm going to lay out this whole picture is i think part of it is the flak jacket thing he wears too so here's what i'm saying it's like 
I think that detracts a little bit. Like it's a little bit too much. Like that was cool when he was with the shield, but now it's almost like he's wearing a bulletproof vest when he's wrestling. And it's kind of, I, I, I know it's, it's, it's almost subconsciously. It, it has to be like, nobody's ever really said like, Oh, it's because he wears the flak jacket thing. But I think subconsciously it's kind of like a, you know, well, it's protecting him. And then, so again, I might just making it up myself, but I said, if you're ever going to turn him heel, have him lose his mind and rip that stupid vest off. And just and be then, shirtless and jacked. Yes. And then beat the living crap out of somebody with a chair, somebody who's obviously a face. But taking that flak jacket thing off, I think would have helped. To take it a step further, I think he should have changed. Stab somebody? No. <laughs> I think he should have changed his, his look and the theme song. Like, the fact that he took the Shields theme song minus oh, the, yeah. the intro, like, it just felt like he, he didn't have his own thing and was kind of living off of the Shield, like, I think if they gave him a new look like they did with Rollins and Ambrose and a new song, it would have been a little bit different. Have you ever seen the lyrics version? I think I probably sent it to you, the lyrics version of Roman Reigns that's on YouTube. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Roman Reigns, the guy with the wettest hair. <laughs> I mean, he his hair. I, I like, though, that sometimes now he, like, buns it because his hair is always soaked. It is. It's ridiculous. I, yeah, he, I, he's got, him and Syndergaard have like the similar look going on now. <laughs> they, they really do. I'm hoping though, Jake, I, I didn't, like again, I haven't watched anything since Mania. You, you know more, but I'm hoping now that, that Cena isn't, you know, the face. Oh, oh, yeah. No, he hasn't even been on. Oh, really? I was going to say, yeah. I hope they let him build off of that and actually turn heel. Oh, no, they would never do that. He sells too many goodwill tickets. But it would make so like, it would he get so many eyeballs. He's, he's got too much kid stuff going on. Like the fact that they allowed him to say what he did at Mania, I was surprised because he wasn't I saying the like, kid friendly stuff. Yeah, but it's WrestleMania. It's a whole different. That to go back to that real quick. That's how they could have saved time too in WrestleMania. I don't think we needed all the vignettes. Like we did, we don't need the backstory to a match because it's WrestleMania. You're either there for two reasons: because you're a wrestling fiend, and that means you know all the storylines, or you're there for the spectacle of it, and the storyline doesn't mean anything to you anyway. Yeah, and like. I thought like uh, the Miz's dad getting in the ring. I get what they're doing there, but like it was outside of me laughing at the dad. Like there was <laughs> nothing that got done. Like I, I wasn't like, oh man, I hate Shane McMahon, McMahon even more now. I was just no, like, it definitely wasn't. What is Shane O'Mac gonna jump off of today? Like that was the one. That's question. all we were waiting for. <laughs> and I, I hated that finish. I hated that one. Yeah, well, know. they're doing it because they kept it going on Thursday or Tuesday night. You'll you'll see if you do watch it. Hey, you can just I, save you the trouble. He just came out and talked about how awesome he is again, and the fact that you know this this stupid dad. Like, what was he gonna do? And this is why <laughs> champion and all that type of stuff. So, it's the same old stuff. I think they're just trying to draw it out because they're not gonna end that feud yet. I'm I'm just waiting for like in like two months when uh, they have the new day turn on Kofi. That's gonna I be the next storyline that gets me sucked in. I can see that. Are, are you think it's gonna be both of them, or you think it's just gonna be Big E by himself? I think it'll 100% at least be Big E. I don't know if it'll be... I think it'll be both just to make sense. But yeah, it, it, Big E has they to be the one that... On Monday night, speaking of which. Did because, they? Yeah, because they did... They said... So the, very, the show started with Rollins and Kofi. And Rollins and Kofi were both like, oh, they unified the women's titles last night. Let's do the same. And so that was the main event match. You, me, anybody who watches wrestling knew a thousand percent that wasn't going to happen. Something was going to happen. Like you knew that they weren't going to unify the titles. 
yet at the end when they started their you know they had their match and then you know uh what's their faces came running out Sheamus and um Cesaro inter- like they stopped the match and they ended up doing a tag team and everybody was booing the living hell out of it and just ruined the last couple minutes but it's like what you like you really thought they were going to unify the titles really yeah that's it, it- so there's been a lot of questionable booking. Like my question to you, Jake, because I, I, I will admit I fell off of watching hard during football season. And then even like I, I, it was hard for me to get back into. There was no storyline that I thought was awesome outside of like the Kofi one. But like if Finn Balor beat Bobby Lashley without being the demon, who the hell thought he was going to lose as the demon? Well, and then you bring up the whole point of like you can go down that rabbit hole is why does he ever stop being the demon yeah like he would be undefeated <laughs> and be the champion like if he just went the demon route every day and the worst part was did you see the lead up where they just did the video of him and he started like laughing like he was supposed to be like demonically laughing and it just wasn't that good no i like finn is awesome i think finn should be in the title picture but like they they're booking of him and it just doesn't make any sense oh there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense they debuted they finally debuted the that russian bald guy the big guy from xt that had oh okay i can't tell you his name but yeah i can't think of it right now either that he finally he actually was out both nights so that'll be interesting oh and, and i guess one last question before you know if, if, what the hell happened at the end of that main event at Mania? They didn't even really address it either. I don't, I don't know. It ticks me off in so many ways because, like, the biggest thing was, there. first of all, there wasn't a build-up to the finish. Like, I saw somebody tweet this to credit to that person. I don't know who it was. But so there was no, like, it should have been Becky holding her in the arm bar and, like, oh, my God, she's going to tap. Like, Rousey, is she going to tap? Is she going to tap? Is she going to tap? And, like, then she taps or then she doesn't. It gets broken up like that tension. There was no buildup of that. It just all of a sudden ended It all of a sudden ended, which seemed like it was a fluke ending because the, the shoulders weren't down. And for everything that Becky's built up and gone through to have that. Th- Here's what, what I said, Mike, and I, I tweeted this is like for the fact that people are immediately tweeting when the match is over is one. Is that the ending that was supposed to happen or was it a botch Two. Is this a screw job over Rousey similar to the whole, you know, the, the screw job with Bret Hart? Or three, is somebody going to run in and restart the match? Like, to have those kind of questions means that ended so poorly. I did. I, I can't tell you who it was. Uh, I saw a, it was a verified account, though, on Twitter tweeting that it was a botched ending by the ref, that it wasn't supposed to be a three count there. And once the ref counted to three, they kind of had no choice but to to end it that way because apparently Charlotte was practicing like some flip maneuver that she was going to do. And, but to me, uh, even if that was the case, like I thought there was such a simple script to follow and it was a hundred percent what you did with Daniel Bryan five years ago, six years ago, whenever that was like have Ra- uh, the Becky, like I thought I, cause you know, they weren't going to have uh Rousey tap. Like, I thought she should have, like, taken Rousey out and then made Charlotte tap. And it's, like, no question, like, she is the champion now. Like, it it just, for the way it ended, and, like, and even if that was a botch, like, for them not to be, like, oh, it was a screw job on Rousey, like, like that that could have been a great story. And then, you know, you have that feud of Becky. Like, I don't know. It just, I feel like Becky was very much shortchanged. And I feel like everyone was shortchanged because that was, like, the first women's main event at WrestleMania, such a historic moment in wrestling. And for them to just like, the crowd was out of it. 
Uh, the match never really like seemed like it lived up to expectations. And then to have that finish, I just thought it was terribly, terribly executed. Right. And that's the thing. It's like we shouldn't have these questions for something with that kind of buildup and that kind of excitement. And to be that kind of defining moment as it, what it was, it shouldn't be like, wait, what's the deal? Like that just shouldn't be. By the way, while we're doing this show, Austin Safarian Jenkins signed with the Patriots. Get excited about him again. Going to be over. You're the new Gronk? <laughs> Get the hell out of here. <laughs> no, you know there's going to be a few people ask, at least a few asking that. Oh, a thousand percent. Because <laughs> Gronk's growing trees, man. System player.